morning, everybody. I want to say hello to those of you just joining us now from the sanctuary. We are uh, one church with two unique worship expressions. We have modern and classic, and then a video link brings these two rooms together for the teaching time. We also have folks uh, watching online from home and other places. Welcome to you as well. Uh, I want to ask you to keep in prayer this week one of our daughter churches, Grace Chapel in Farmington Hills, uh, is between pastors. Uh, their pastor, a friend of ours and a former staff pastor of this church, has just taken a call to Florida, where everyone feels called today, and uh, and so they're between pastors. Soon Pac is with them this morning preaching. There, uh, our staff are helping to fill the pulpit during their time of transition. And, you know, times of transition for a church can be very scary and also can be times of great opportunity. Uh, there are daughter church because we birthed Grace Chapel Farmington Hills uh, in October uh, of 1983. This is kind of a birthday month. So she's, she's an adult daughter church, and she's actually had a baby church of her own, uh, which makes us grandparents. Yeah, but gosh, the kids are cute and... And they're always, your kids are always your kids, and so we really love the folks at Grace Chapel. Please keep them uh, in prayer during their transition. Uh, we are working our way through the Beatitudes, eight statements of Jesus about the blessed life. And uh, the, that word Beatitude comes from the Latin word butis, which could be translated blessed, or happy, or even rich, or beautiful. Butis, beautiful, happy, blessed, rich people, and each beatitude consists of two phrases, the condition and the result, a condition and a result. So let's look at the first three beatitudes. It begins, blessed are the poor in spirit, that's the condition, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and that is the result of being poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, that's a condition, for they will be comforted, that's the result. Blessed are the meek, that's the condition, for they will inherit the earth. That's the result of being meek. Now, we have said that we're going to work together uh, to memorize the Beatitudes, all eight of them, this fall. And I want to work on the first three this morning, so I want you to read this together. But I'm, I'm going to give you uh, on the screens each condition with kind of a fill-in-the-blanks deal for the result. And we'll work through these uh, slowly together. So the first one is this. Let's try to see if we can do this. Blessed, read it with me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Very good. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will or shall be comforted. Some of you, some of you doing the, the uh, highbrow English. For they will be comforted. Next one. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Very good. Now we're going to flip it around, and I'll give you the other line. Let's do it again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Excellent, excellent. Now here's the bonus round. Let's put it on the screen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
Nicely done. Give yourself a round of applause. Got the first three down. So according to Jesus, rich, full, blessed, happy, beautiful people are those that are poor, mourning, and meek. Is that pretty much where we're at so far? In the Beatitudes, remember the Beatitudes are counterintuitive and countercultural. They are this upside-down kingdom, but in reality what Jesus is doing is turning things right side up. And today we're going to look at the third Beatitude, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now this line would have sounded even stranger in Jesus' day than it does in ours. Uh, meek was always an insult. This was a bravado culture. Respect was earned uh, to the degree that people feared you. It was a might makes right culture. Even today, meekness is not a quality that gets you promoted at most companies. Now, Jesus is not being entirely original here. He's actually quoting, maybe slightly paraphrasing, a line from Psalm 37. Now, Jesus often did this. He would quote, he would refer, he would support Old Testament passages. Jesus knew the scriptures, and he was shaped by them. I say this because sometimes I'll hear people describe themselves. They'll say, I'm a red-letter Christian. Have you ever heard that phrase? A red-letter Christian or red-letter-only Christian. And these are people who say, I, I will follow the words of Jesus. And in most Bibles, the words of Jesus are printed in red ink to show their uniqueness and their specialness. I'm a red-letter Christian. I follow the red letters. I follow what Jesus said. But the rest of the Bible, I feel pretty free to ignore or to discount. And that's true. The words of Jesus are special, and that's why they're in red ink. But I just want to point out that Jesus was not a red-letter Christian. Jesus studied and submitted himself, himself to the Old Testament scriptures. He allowed them to shape his life. He allowed them to form his understanding of God. When Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, maybe those who knew the scriptures well recognized that this is very similar to Psalm 37, 11, which says, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Now remember, for the ancient people, land was a big deal. For the people of God, it was the age-old frustration that the land that had been promised to them, to God's people, was occupied and controlled by other people, by powerful people, by non-meek people. But Psalm 37 says the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Now, now, what are those meek people like from Psalm 37? And you heard the psalm read earlier, and it begins uh, with lines like, Trust in the Lord and do good. Take delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Do not fret. That's a great Bible command. Do not fret. The psalmist is describing people whose lives are under God's control. And I think that's a really good definition for meekness. Someone whose life is under God's control. Because that incorporates other definitions for meekness that you may have heard. That meek means humble. Or meek means teachable. 
or meek means submissive. Meek is all of those things. Sinclair Ferguson says that meekness is the humble strength of one who has learned to submit to difficulties, difficult experiences, and difficult people, knowing that in everything God is working for good. That's meekness. So let's talk about three things that meekness requires. First of all, meekness requires a healthy ego. Meekness is the opposite of a universal sickness called pride. Aristotle called it hubris. It's the reason why small-feeling people act big. In Philippians chapter 2, uh, Paul describes this as vain conceit. And the Greek words translated vain conceit, kino doxo, or literally empty glory. When the human heart experiences empty glory, the human heart tries to compensate for that through boasting. When we experience empty glory, we become very needy, needy for attention, needy for applause, needy for recognition. Now, of course, some of this is natural and innate to us, and even, in fact, God designed. Uh, you know, when a, when a child... Um, when a, when a child experiences this, they sometimes say, watch me, or, or uh, you know, look at me, notice me. That's natural and innate. C.S. Lewis talked about pride. He said, pride doesn't get any pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next person. Right? Pride is the pleasure of being above all the rest. Once the element of competition is gone, pride is gone also. I think of that uh, Saturday Night Live sketches with... Uh, the character Penelope, played by uh, uh, Kristen, uh, Kristen Wiig. Uh, she's always looking for opportunities and conversation to one-up other people, and she takes it to really ridiculous levels. So if someone said they like the Muppets, she says, I know the Muppets personally. Right? Or, or if someone says they had a salad for lunch, she says, I've, I've got a salad bar in my car. Uh, or if someone says they took a summer vacation to the Hamptons, she'll say, I, I, I took a summer vacation to Jupiter. Right, she would just get, uh, someone talks about her children, she would say, I have, I have six children who all learned 44 languages before they were born. Right, she would just get kind of ridiculous levels of pride. And that's what an unhealthy ego, that's what an infected ego, that's what empty glory kind of leads to. As people made in the image of God, we are wired in some ways to be esteemed. Right, the, the, the Bible says in Psalm 8 that human beings are the crown of God's creation that God made us just a little beneath the angels. You have a greatness in you that is inherent because you were made in the image of God. I was saying children call this out naturally. As I said, they're saying, watch me, watch me, look at me, uh, look what I can do, notice me. That's a natural, normal, healthy response. The problem is when the ego gets infected, then we want all the attention. Groucho Marx uh, said, oh, I'm so sorry, I've been talking about myself, on and on and on. How insensitive. Uh, let's talk about you. What do you think about me? <laughs> when our ego gets infected, we want all the attention on ourselves. And we don't like it when anybody else gets attention. The classic biblical example of this is King Saul and his young protege, David. They come back from the battle, and it says the women in the village come out to the streets and, and begin to, to sing and dance. It's an awesome scene, First Samuel 18. As they danced, they sang, 
Saul has slain his thousands. And right now, what is Saul thinking of this song? This is a great song. Right? They're talking about how I'm a great warrior. They're singing my name. I've killed thousands. It's a great song until it gets to line number two in the song, which says David has, his, has tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Saul says, I, I don't like this song at all. This song is terrible. The refrain displeased him greatly in the very next line. And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye. Some translations say a jealous eye on David. The ego is like an elbow. You don't pay attention to it until it's bruised. But when it's healthy, you don't think about it at all. A healthy ego, like a healthy elbow, doesn't call attention to itself. It is meek. It fulfills its purpose. Meekness requires a healthy ego. Secondly, meekness requires submission to God. Uh, the common understanding of meekness is that the meek person never gets their way. They're always cowering or submitting to somebody with more power. And there's a sense that that is true, uh, but in biblical meekness, it's about being strong and confident and yet yielded to God. Peter writes, uh, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may, what? Lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That phrase, under God's mighty hand, suggests a strength to which we submit. When my boys were young, they would wrestle with each other, and often it ended with somebody's mighty hand on top of them and saying, uh, uh, you know, you must uh, cry uncle. I, I've won. Submit. Submit to me. Uh, surrender. That mighty hand. Sometimes the mighty hand was mine. Just knock it off, guys. Uh, but Paul, uh, uh, Peter is not just talking about submitting to this mighty hand of force. He's talking about casting your anxiety on him, knowing that God will lift you up. It's submitting to someone who is mighty, yes, but that someone is someone who has your best interest at heart. The same Greek word translated meek was used by the Greeks to describe a wild horse that had been trained and tamed. Uh, one writer describes it this way, wild stallions were brought down from the mountains and broken for riding. Some were used to pull wagons, some were raced, and the best were used for warfare. They retained their fierce spirit, courage, and power, but were disciplined to respond to the slightest nudge or pressure of the rider's leg. They could gallop into battle at 35 miles an hour and come to a stop at a word. They were not frightened by arrows, spears, or torches. Then they were said to have been meeked. To be meeked was to be taken from a wild state of rebellion and made completely loyal to dependent upon one's master. It's also to be taken from an atmosphere of fearfulness and made unflinching in the presence of danger. These stallions became submissive, but they were not spineless. They embodied power under control, strength with forbearance. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest of all men. 
Now, we know Moses was not naturally meek. We know that he had trouble with anger and that his temper actually caused him at one point to kill a man. And it took 40 years of being a shepherd in the wilderness for Moses to be meeked, for him to bring his power under control, for him to yield the reins to God's control. I think it's interesting that the very center of the Sermon on the Mount, both literally and figuratively, is the Lord's Prayer. Right in the center is this prayer that teaches us to pray, God, your kingdom, in other words, not mine, your will, not mine, your glory, not mine. We submit ourselves to a higher power. James writes, Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. With humility, with meekness, accept God's implanted word. Because really what it means, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, to live the Sermon on the Mount, fundamentally it means to bow to the authority of Jesus. To take on his yoke and to learn from him. The Bible is, as John Calvin has said, the scepter by which King Jesus rules his people. And so we submit ourselves to the scriptures. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle, it says here. This is the word for meekness. For I am meek, could be, I am gentle, and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When Jesus says that he is meek, what we have is somebody who is absolutely controlled by his Father. Remember in the garden, the night of the arrest, when all the soldiers came to, to take Jesus, and Peter jumps up and takes out his sword, like he's going to fight off the whole army by himself, and he swings the sword, he cuts off the guy's ear, remember that, and Jesus says, Peter, wh what are you doing? Don't you know that I could have called 10,000 angels? I could have zapped these guys away? This, is not, this whole situation is not about me not having power. This is about me being submitted to the will of my Father. The meek are those whose strength is controlled by love. And thirdly, meekness requires trust. Yielding control is terrifying. It requires enormous trust. James, write, James writes in uh, James 4.10, in fact, read this aloud with me, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. Do you believe that? If you really believe that God will lift you up, you will find yourself less needing to lift yourself up. If you really believe that God will lift you up, you will find it easier to humble yourself. If you really believe that God is good and wise and powerful and active and that God can be trusted, you won't feel the need to control everything. You will find it easier to submit your will to his will. You can rest. Is it possible that your need to promote and control is really a lack of trust in God. Blessed are the meek, for they do not feel the need to self-promote or to call attention to themselves 
or to always be in charge, for they have surrendered themselves to God's control, trusting that God has their best interest at heart. Meekness requires a healthy ego, it requires submission to God, and it requires an enormous amount of trust. But the meek are blessed, and the meek are free, and the meek will inherit the earth. The Beatitudes are, are hard to understand because none of the conditions listed in the Beatitudes are what we would think of as happy or as blessed by our terms. I think scholar Earl Palmer uh, has a point when he says that Jesus may be hearkening back to an Old Testament image, to an Old Testament word, to a Hebrew word, the word ashray, also translated in the Old Testament as blessed, but he says ashray is different than just happy or blessed. Ashray could be translated, you are on the right road. And maybe the Beatitudes are there to let us know that we are on the right road. I heard a story, a lady in our church whose, uh, whose mother was out driving, her elderly mother, uh, is kind of slipping into dementia. She doesn't drive now, but she was driving then, and she was driving and realized she had no idea where she was. She didn't even know how long she had been in the car. She just kind of spaced out and sort of came to, no awareness. Uh, thankfully, she did have a cell phone with her, and she called her daughter, and her daughter said, well, uh, you know, what do you see? Are there landmarks? Do you see any uh, street signs? And uh, you know, maybe you pull over and describe where you are, and I'll come find you. Some of you are wondering why she didn't just turn on the Find My Phone app and find her mother, but the daughter is 70 years old. This is not the GPS generation, and those of you that grew up with, with GPS, uh, I think sometimes you take this for granted, how wonderful it is to know where you are. It's good to know where you are. And Psalm 73 and lots of others say, don't go down that dead-end road. That road doesn't lead to life. That doesn't lead to blessings. Stay on the right road. I don't get lost often, but I do often end up in places I did not intend to go. Uh, not because I'm lost, but because I daydream and my habit kicks in, my instinct kicks in. I can't tell you how many times I have uh, driven my kids to school, but rather than end up at their school, I end up here at Ward Church. And my instinct kicks in, autopilot, and I'm here, and then one of the kids says, are we going to school? And I'm like, how long have you been back there? <laughs> I, I, I get lost sometimes. Other times my 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 old ways kick in and I just go to the place I know and I, I end up in the wrong place I'm either lost and even though I'm not lost I end up in the wrong place but sometimes there are these signposts that let me know where I am and that I am on the right road and maybe the beatitudes could serve us in this way that when your life begins to exemplify these characteristics you can know that you are on the right road even if it doesn't feel so happy, even if you don't feel so blessed, the way we think of that word, you will know that you are on the right way, that you are on your way. When you're feeling poor in spirit, you can know that you're on the right road. When you're mourning for the right reasons, with the right hearts, you can know that you're on the right road. When you're meek, you can know you're on the right road. Sometimes when you are being persecuted, 
It'll be a sign that you are on the right road. Blessed are those who know that they are on the right road. The earth is yours. Will you pray with me? Oh God, teach us what it means to be meek. The way that Moses was meek, the way that Jesus is meek. Help us to be strong and humble, patient and surrendered. You invited all who are weary and burdened to come to you. And Jesus, we are here. Jesus, we come to receive your rest, to take your yoke upon our lives, and to learn from you, for you are meek and humble in heart. May we learn from you. May we bear your likeness, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.